Welcome everyone to this special edition of The Lockup. My name is Dylan Reynolds and I'm truly thankful and honored that you've joined me and my co-host Joshua Klein here today as we delve into a mix of emotions from excitement to sadness in the great world in sport, a professional wrestling that we all love. This week holds a unique significance for all of us who cherish the spectacle, drama, and athleticism professional wrestling brings to us. And as many of you know, we are now just a few short days removed from a historic event in London that not only broke records, but has etched itself into the annals of history. It is a testament to the passion of the fans, the dedication of the performers, and the unyielding spirit of an industry that continues to evolve. Amidst this excitement, we found ourselves grappling with not just one, but two profound losses in the span of just 24 hours that truly shook the wrestling world to its core. On Wednesday, August 23rd, we bid farewell to a trailblazer of this industry, Terry Funk. Terry Funk was an innovator and enigma of reinvention, and his impact on the industry is immeasurable. From his days in amateur wrestling at West Texas State University, teaming with his legendary brother Dory Funk Jr., the battles with the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes for the NWA World's Championship, Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody in All Japan Pro Wrestling, ECW, Terry Funk's name is, isn't just etched in the history books, it's etched into the hearts of each and every fan and performer and will live on as we mourn his passing but also celebrate his incredible legacy that he's left behind. Then, just 24 short hours later on Thursday, August 24th, we received news that sent shockwaves through the industry. Bray Wyatt had unexpectedly passed away. Bray was one of the most creative minds in the world of professional wrestling. He mesmerized us with his characters and captivating storytelling. Bray pushed the boundaries of what wrestling could be, whether it was the cult leader of the Wyatt family alongside Brody Lee, Eric Rowan, and Braun Strowman, the eater of worlds, the fiend, and in his latest run, we got to see the most vulnerable parts of the man behind Bray Wyatt that was Windham Rotunda. The noise online shows you everything you need to know about the man behind Bray Wyatt. The outpouring of love, support, Photos, smiles, laughs, and advice given paints the picture of a man who loves what he does, pulls people up with him, loves with all his heart, reminding us that his impact extends beyond the ring and into each and every one of the hearts that he touched. This week encapsulates the highs and the lows that come with being a fan of, in my opinion, the greatest sport the greatest drama, the greatest escape from the world that is professional wrestling. It is a reminder that this world we live in is as unpredictable as it is exhilarating. And as we embark on this episode and we step inside the ring of the lockup, this exciting history-making event, please join us in a moment of reflection as we remember the life, the career, and the human beings that were Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt.
What's going on, guys, and welcome back to The Lockup, bringing you inside the ring of combat sports. I am your host, Dylan Reynolds, and I am joined today by my wonderful co-host. He is the people's champ, Joshua Klein. How are we doing today, buddy? You know, you know, like you said in that opener, a lot of you know highs and lows um, in the sporting world. Um, the Bray Wyatt one hit me really hard because I was a Bray Wyatt fan. Um, he was very inspirational towards me, very creative. I love that Fiend character. I mean, I'm wearing the shirt where he won the title. I was very excited when he won that Elimination Chamber. Uh, Terry Funk is a guy that anytime you listen to wrestlers' podcasts, his name always gets brought up. It just sounds like a nice dude, a very loving dude who would do anything for this business. I mean, his hardcore matches, his death matches with Nick Foley in Japan are fucking insane. Um, check those out. Um, they both had a very – both Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt had a very massive impact in the wrestling world, um, and it's hard not to find their inspirations through each performances. I mean, in this all-in, we saw a lot of Terry Funk um, – uh, references and 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 bray white as well um but today we are going to discuss all in on a very exciting groundbreaking record-breaking show that did have its dramas but uh we're not gonna get to that today but we're gonna go over the show today and give our thoughts and opinions and give a grade on it did all in because is all in the greatest pay-per-view of all time maybe we'll discuss it that's that's definitely a big question we have to answer you know, uh, I'm looking forward to the discussion that we'll have. But I mean, again, uh, we we said it last week during our predictions. Josh, you just said it there. This show from the get go was meant to be special and was going to be something that w- was going to be history making regardless. You know, even if they did what some of those idiots online were saying, even if it was 40,000, that's double their their highest atten- attendance at Grand Slam. That still would have been pretty record-breaking. 60000 would have been record-breaking for them. But the fact that this company in just five years now holds the all-time paid pro wrestling attendance record at 81,035 fans in attendance, it's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, I, I, I said it to you and I said it to, to my other friend uh, that was there since we had a little watch party for All In, you know, it's crazy to see what most of almost I, all my life would have been a WWE stadium show, but it's not WWE for the first time in forever. And even WCW at the Georgia Dome still was never at this height at all. Like over 23 years, 24 years since there was even an opportunity for something like this to happen. Uh, it's just incredible. Uh, you know, uh, I, I said it a little bit in kind of my opener there. Uh, you know, I think professional wrestling is the greatest sport, uh, in the entire world. You know, I talked about it in the, the little interview you did with me at the end of last season, you know, of how much I love professional wrestling. And there were a couple times just at the spectacle because I never thought I would see another company do something like this that it got me choked up and I was just thinking about the performers. I was thinking about the people in the back. I was thinking about the fans. I was thinking about everyone and just thinking about how special it is and how sometimes 
when we're living through history, especially these last couple couple years in life, yeah. as we're living through history being written, you you sometimes it's hard to take that moment to stop, take it in, realize what's going on. And I tried my best on Sunday, slow down, take everything in and realize, oh my God, I'm witnessing history. Yes, and some of these matches I think will be will be talked about in history, especially that main event because a certain somebody was right on the money, and uh, but we'll get there, we'll get there. And I thought like all the matches, like like when you get a, a WWE stadium show, they feel bogged, overstuffed. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking like like just weirdness happening. I mm-hmm. felt like this show. For being, we watched the whole five hours. We watched zero hour and the pay per view. I thought went pretty. I thought it was well paced. Yeah. I thought where the matches were placed in the card made sense to me. Um, and, and it really, I didn't feel tired. Now, granted, it could have been because in America here we watched it, you know, at noon, and that was a nice pace. If I watched this at you know seven to midnight, I probably would be tired. So I think, I think that I think that helps a lot, um, but I'm interested to get to this card because uh, there was some surprising results um, that we'll get into, and some like we predicted, but not in the way that we uh, thought that would happen. But uh, and the fact that we have all out, but like this week, yeah, this so, which week. is fucking insane. So just like we we went from this high high of all in, and I'm afraid that all outs could be a disappointment. So. I'll come back to that point later on because I have an actual good point about that. It'll probably be closer to the end. Yes. Um, but zero hour. Uh, fun fun fact: it actually started at eleven instead of twelve, like they promoted. Like I remember, I was sitting there and I got a text from you saying you were on your way. I was like, "Cool." I got on Twitter and then I see a clip of Renee Young and I'm like, "I thought it started at twelve, but it was just talking for an hour." Um. Real Zero Hour started with the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship Aussie Open defending against Maxwell Jacob Friedman, the AEW World Champion, and Adam Cole, Bebe, better than you, Bebe. And look, you know, this is something you you said to me before you left uh, left my house on Sunday. I I was worried that with this match, with it being the first match of Wembley, they were going to make a mistake and possibly bury Aussie open the match. They put together in my opinion, did not bury Aussie open made logical sense was still a hard fought battle went into the storyline of later on in the night. And, and that's all I asked for because that would be the last thing you really want to do is bury one of your, your champions, bury uh, some talent that are, arguably going to be part of the future uh, of the company. Yeah. Uh, so overall, I thought it, this was a pretty great match. Lots of good storytelling beats there. Uh, you know, the, the kangaroo kick finally being hit was pretty, pretty big pop for me. I mean, the crowd lost it and then they were chanting for it. I mean, they were ready and prying for it. And then the, the fact that we, like that was the first time we saw the kangaroo kick uh, was, you know, very fascinating. Um I thought the match was pretty good. I was very well intended. It's a good opener of like, you know, before the real show starts. And I think 
it's the hint that the breakup wasn't going to happen. <laughs> uh, per se, like I, I once it happened, I was like, mm, I think they're going to do it. <laughs> I think they're going to do it. Uh, they're not going to turn. Um, but I thought maybe this is a chance for Aussie Open to get out of the Ring of Honor uh, division and move up because FTR, uh, the winner of that tag team title, needs a challenger. I think Aussie Open is prime for that that because they are a very good tag team. I love their chemistry. I love their moves. They have the it factor. Yeah, I love Aussie Open. And I feel like they need to be more prevalent on Dynamite and face like really good tag teams. Not saying that people in our, our, our Ring of Honor is not very good. I just I think they're now ready for that to fight for the main title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things. I think we're still in a weird period with Ring of Honor where people aren't 100% sure of like if it is like the, the NXT to AEW's uh, WWE. Like uh, we, it's still just so new. Um and it's still just so, you know, uh, trying to, to really figure out what it is uh, on its own anyways. So, you know, I, I definitely could see Aussie Open moving up to the AW main tag division, come up, do a nice, probably, uh, you know, I, I guess now, I guess now it would be the, the next pay-per-view, which we'll talk about towards the end <clears throat> after All Out. You know, I could see them having a big FTR uh, tag title match at that pay-per-view, but... Uh, or, or a Grand Slam. I mean, Grand Slam is not that oh, far away. That is coming up, too. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot, a lot of stuff is going on with AEW, like show after show after show, man. after banger. <clears throat> yeah. So then the final match on Zero Hour was the FTW Championship. Jack Perry defending against Hook. And boy, oh boy, this is one of, uh, uh, you know, later on, you know, uh, some drama and some things again, like Josh, he, he, he hinted to, we're not going to talk about, it's not, it's not too much to get into. Don't care. Um, uh, but this was a banger of a fucking match. <laughs> this, the, yeah. the fact, you know, the fact that they went all, you know, all out on this match, you know, what was so good and being, I, the thing I do wish, and, and, you know, again, we're, we're filming this ahead of Wednesday when you guys see this. So maybe he does, uh, you know, they had that whole setup for, you know, Jack Perry was going to retire the FTW championship. I, this is just me, you know, obviously there's nothing saying that as of right now, as we're recording this, I hope that hook still does that because I don't think we need the FTW championship right now. Uh, you know, back when it got introduced, you know, that was pretty early on in the pandemic era. That was either right before or, uh, you know, right after the TNT championship was introduced, so like in, you know, the whole idea of the renegade title, obviously that's the history of the FTW championship and ECW, like, okay, that made sense. But now you got the AW world championship. You have the TNT championship. You have the international championship. You don't, you don't, you have the real world's championship, you know, like you don't really, which again, it's doing the same gimmick. Um, you don't really need the FTW championship right now. And I think 
truthfully, now looking at it in hindsight, if that's what they choose to do, this actually would make would be a happier ending for that title for now because it's Hook got it back. It's back where it belongs. But, you know, I want to go for a real real championship. I'm going to retire the FTW championship. Dad, you don't have to worry about somebody coming and stealing the belt, all this stuff. We're good. So that's something I'd like to see. But also this match was just a banger. And I don't know. Uh, you know, these two guys are part of the future of the company. Like, I can't wait to revisit this match two years down the line because both of these guys are going to be even better and in better positions character-wise, too. Yeah, because I think Jack Perry is really embracing this dick, this this guy who's a dick, especially the drama. I mean, like, he, I think he's living the gimmick, brother. Uh, and I and Hook, I mean, Hook is getting better and better and better. I think he's, he's selling a lot better. I Oh, man, his stuplexes are just... A thing of beauty. I mean, great because his dad is this, you know, suplex machine. Yeah. But God damn, every time he's like doing a German, or like when he did the uh, suplex into the car window, I'm like, God damn, Hook. Uh, I'm excited, and maybe Hook does retire it. But I think, I think Jack Perry's going to go after the TNT title because I think Darby's going to win it, and that's going to set up. I mean, that was a storyline that was set up at Double or Nothing that you could revisit and have like the next title Jack Perry get is a TNT title, especially yeah. since. Darby's is messing with Christian and all. It's like Jack Perry's like, mm, guess here, here I am. Yeah, you re- remember we? I that was one of the things I thought about was, yep. oh, Jack Perry and Christian are going to cross paths again. This time, Jack has a heel, and Jack's going to be like, "You were right. right, you were right." And maybe that that's how we get Jurassic Express back as as a heel team, which that Ooh. would be fucking fire that would be fire I, that would that's be interesting so good. that's interesting because you know the tag team division needs to a little be shooken up a little bit you get you re you introduce jungle express but they're fucking at like they're fucking a heel tag team huh then that yeah maybe but i don't i don't know if jack perry wants to go back to that see it, it really depends because it depends if they're using the FTW championship as that bar for as he said at in that promo at the start of the year I want to be a singles world champion in 2023 cuz technically in theory you could say well he did contra- it contractually you know fulfilled you know oh he he checked it off but you know and maybe that's just a whole thing of where you know again you know Christian's in there in his ear Look what I did for Luchasaurus. I could now, do this for you. I could do this for you. I could make you the international champion. I could make you the AW world champion. Like all the, you know, all these promises. Could. It could. And I, and when he won the FDW, he already ma- mentioned in a promo, this is not what I meant. So he's mm-hmm. like, he like Jack Perry thinks lesser of that belt. So it's like it's fine that he lost it because he never th- he never really cared about it anyways. Yeah. So let's see what he does. Like maybe he goes to Darby. Maybe he goes to uh, Orange Cassidy. I always thought it would be Orange Cassidy because it'd be great for him to win the international because it, it invites a lot of other wrestlers to mix in with him. Mm-hmm. But um, hell, I mean, he's the, tonight he's going to be facing in a trip. Like Orange Cassidy is going to be facing Moxley and Penta. I'm like, you know, who could win that? Moxley could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Moxie would be great, but okay. But that's me fancy poker. But this is a great, app, great, great. I like uh, heel Jack, and he really knows how to play a play within the crowd. And hook, hook is hook, and that's why he was my rookie of the year last year. One hundred percent. 
So then to start off all in the real world's championship, CM Punk versus the real king of television, the ring of honor television champion, Samoa Joe. And boy, you know, on Instagram, again, thank you guys for 100 followers over there. I've been dropping some little nuggets on some of the posts, you know. Man, the the first ever meeting of the Ring of Honor trilogy between CM Punk and Samoa Joe happened here in our backyard, Josh, in Dayton, Ohio, at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds. And to come from June 12, 2004, 7,015 days for it to be done for the fourth time this time biggest wrestling show of all time insane yeah i think that was this is the great uh, i'm glad that they didn't do ricky and punk that they did joe and punk i think this is deserved deserve it and this match is fire was a fucking banger dude um they pulled out some you know terry funk monitors like hulk hogan like john cena john cena okay so when okay so cm punk like when cm punk's doing his comeback and he does the the two shoulder tackles i'm like no fucking way he's gonna do it and then he does the that stupid uh flip thing and i'm like yeah. oh my god is he gonna do you can't see me he doesn't he does the hulk hogan thing he goes huh. And does, and does a leg drop, brother. But uh, wow, like this match had a lot to it. I think you got the crimson mask. You had, you know, the crowd was. And I, I said last week, I was like, I was curious to hear what, well, how the crowd would uh, interact with Punk. Uh, it felt mixed. Yeah. Especially when the match started, Joe was getting the most cheers. And like, I loved how Joe was feeding that. And I, I think Punk was kind of feeding on that too by doing Hogan, by doing Cena. I think that was a smart thing on his part. Well, you have to think too, you know, Punk, regardless of, of your feelings on him, he, the dude knows the, the, the context and the feelings of how this fan base would feel when he came back. They knew it was going to be mixed. They knew that first week in Chicago, I got it. I, it's fine. And then that next week you were like, Oh, uh, the booze are a little bit louder, but, Punk don't give a shit. First off, Punk, honest to God, Punk is a better heel, anyways. So correct, and and he and he thrives on that pressure. And so, like being able to channel those things of like being able to play, you know, in this moment, kind of that tweener character of where if you like me, you like me. If you don't like me, fuck you. I don't care. Like is so good, and with this whole you know real world's champion shtick, I never lost it. No one's beat me for it. I'm still the champ. All this stuff, just good. You know, uh, I I love the the psychology throughout too, where for a lot of the match, as all all the other uh, meetings with Samoa Joe, Joe is just dogging on that man. He is whooping that ass all up and down London. He's like, come on, bro. You, you survived Samoa Joe. You didn't beat Samoa Joe. And brother, you know, he did the, the whole spot. You know, Joe do, does where, oh, I'm going to go for the dive. And Joe moves. Punk new. Punk new. He's like, ah, it's fine. Hits him. They go out to the out to the the outside, 
Punk goes to do a springboard, and then Joe <laughs> Joe moves. And he's oh, like, yeah, I forgot. And uh, there there was a great moment after that too, where he picks him up. And he does the the whole swinging him into the the little announce table thing, and they have the gimmick little fucking basically cardboard box little thing on the bottom. He just smashes through it, and I'm like, oh hell yeah, let's go! And sometimes, I, sometimes I hate not hate, but I love how we just know about pro wrestling. And I was like, oh, he's under there just fucking blading himself, like yeah. all right, like oh look at that that thing busted me up. And I love like later on in the show, somebody goes in there, like, same thing happens to somebody else in a match where they get their heads put in there but that was on accident this was yeah. purposely done yeah uh um, um and i liked uh <laughs> i just liked how the you could tell the chemistry was there and i felt like it was fast paced i was i you know i knew punk was gonna win but there were certain times like you know joe going for the muster buster punk gets out of that and then they go in the top rope. We're going to do the muscle buster again but punk does the pepsi plunger yes right? the pepsi plunge yep which I was, like, the top rope. I was like, whoa. And the fact they got three of that, I was like, that was great. Cause like you didn't expect it. He hits a move that he hasn't hit in a while. Cause sometimes he teases and it doesn't ever work. Yeah. Here time it works. And of course they had this running in. This is kind of his uh, finisher in ring of honor. Makes sense. That was their first meeting was in ring of honor. One, two, three. Wow. Way to start the show. And punk's like, I'm not going to main event. Like you're going to have to fucking top this shit. And you have to think too, because going by the 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 match layout, I mean, Tony Khan, I gotta give it to him, brother, because he went banger after banger after fucking banger. Yes. Because the next match was of course, of course, Bullet Club Gold with Takashita versus the Golden Elite Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Hangman Adam Page. It was so interesting. You know, of course, this is a throwback to the original All In, where the Golden Elite were in a uh, that time in the main event in a six man tag with Rey Mysterio, uh, Penta, and or I'm sorry, Ray Phoenix and uh, Bandito. Um, it was interesting being able to play that whole thing with the Golden Elite of this is Kenny's partner. This is with Kota Ibushi, and then you have Kenny's best tag team partner, the former AW world tag team champions with hangman, Adam page and being able to kind of see that kind of like, okay, like once they start doing him and hangman start getting on the roll, you're like, Oh yeah, this was really great. And then Kenny and Coda, you're like, Oh yeah, this is really fucking great. And you're like, Oh yeah. And bang, bang, gang. What can, what can I say? Bang bang gang! Oh brother, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a you might know this. I'm a Juice Robinson mark. I love rock hard. Like that dude sells. He's into his character. He's always making noises. He's always reacting. I never feel like he's always engaged. And he takes a and he's a heel that you want to beat up. And I think that's his job. Like he understands that he's not like Jay White. Jay White's the you know the top the top heel guy. He's gonna get you know he's more slithery he's more snake like where rock hard is just kind of like um he's that bro that you're just like fuck i just hate you yeah but somehow i like you like you're you're charismatic uh and then you know Takesha, bro when he got in the ring and kitty and him were going at it i was like he was throwing fucking hake makers i'm like i love this dude and i'm glad that he's a heel and the fact that they're pairing him up with kenny because like we're seeing how great and how like what the potential this dude has i i was worried because whenever he first came in and was doing this stuff with Kenny, 
Like some of the strikes they were doing weren't as like stiff as I, I kind of wanted. And, you know, again, think back to just at the last show, uh, whenever he, he did that bomb to Ishii and you're like, Oh my fucking God. But don't worry. I was satisfied. Cause when him and Kota Bushi went at it, Oh, I, I thought he knocked the fuck out of Kota Bushi. <laughs> Oh, and, and one of the as the match kind of got along, it got more physical and physical and physical and physical. And there was some times where I thought, you know, the Golden Elite were going to pull it off, especially since you know you got like a the buckshot lariat. You had like everybody's doing their finishing moves, except for we didn't see the one Ingle Angel. Like thank God, like we didn't yeah. see that finisher. Like that is a the finisher. Um, no one but Coda has ever kicked out of it. Yeah, you know, you know, BTE triggers everything. Uh, the fact that. Takesha was able to like do a quick roll up real quick, get the one, two, three. And I was like, whoa, yes. Technically, I wanted the bang bang gang to get a big win. Yeah. They technically got a big win. This isn't over yet. Um, I, I mean, I would love to see that all out hangman versus Jay White. Like, I think that could be the match. Cause like th- we're gonna get Takesha and uh Kenny at all out. Uh I mean, you know, maybe you do I don't I don't know if you could do uh uh, Bushi and Hangman versus the like the Bang Bang Gang. I would love a just a one on one with yeah. with Roberts just hanging around. Mm-hmm. But it was a good match. I was actually surprised. Uh, this one got little, and I'm glad that they did this because it's like because it's a three man tag. It can be like it. It took its time. I was able to relax. Like I after that high I just had for Punk and you know Samoa Joe, I was able to come back down. And as the match is going, I'm hitting like I'm getting excited where they need me to get excited, and I'm not tiring myself out. So when that that finish happened, it was a surprise. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. And it, again, they're gonna do the Kenny and Takesha match at All Out. The heat, you know, of getting Takesha to be the one to pin. Great, awesome. That builds the heat. And as you said, it it brought you down, and just got you back up at that peak at the end because. They didn't stop there. AEW World Tag Team Championships, FTR, Young Bucks 3. Brother, I I feel I feel like I liked the Dynamite match more, which was FTR two, Young Bucks 2. But I do feel that they brought the bow and tied it much together much better in this one because in that second one they had hinted at uh, at uh, Dash or I'm sorry Cash uh, keep thinking about his WWE name uh, Cash going for the 450 in the first one which is ultimately the thing that got them to lose they had hinted at that at the second one but they knew don't do that that's how we lost in this one. They got desperate again, and Cash went, and he fucking missed it again. And I was like, oh, God, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. And then fucking Shatter Machine. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. And it wasn't the first Shatter Machine. Let me make that abundantly clear, because they kicked Young Bucks kicked out the first one. Yeah, when when the Young Bucks did the Shatter Machine, I thought that was oh, over. Like, I, that, and that's the ultimate dig. Like, you 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 finish the guys off in their own finisher, but they they kicked out. Um, I, I also liked how the even the revival also the revival FDR also uh, 
did the Young Bucks move. They did the super kick, the kiss, and they did their finish. And I was like, oh, it's over. They did a BTE trigger. I yeah. was like, motherfuck. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, references to, you know, Bret Hart and Bulldog with the roll-up attempt. I was like, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool because it's in London. And, you know, FTR is, you know, Bret Hart marks. Um, I, my favorite thing about the match, it has nothing to do with the match. It's somebody had a sign that says, Fear the Revolver. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's the new name for FTR is Fear the Revolver. Yes. Yeah. Took it from Glock Anderson. He's taken over now, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the one thing... The one thing I I wish, I and I guess you know obviously there there's a chance they could do a, another match. You know this could there could be an argument that maybe this isn't the definitive end of this feud because I mean both teams they have plenty of time in their career still. I mean, uh, the one thing I wish is that FTR in was showing desperation. And I feel like it's been a while since I've watched the first match. But if I remember correctly, in that first match that they had at full gear, they were like, all right, we got to dig deep, think about what can we get these guys with. And, you know, they did the DIY. They did the, the, the Grand Amplitude from American Alpha. That was one of the things I really wish we could have saw with this match. I feel like that was one of the things that, if you truly wanted to show that FTR were like desperate to be like, we are not losing this trilogy. We are not losing these tag championships. That would have been something I think would have been the icing on the cake. Cause let me, let me just say this match is still pretty fucking close to five stars in my opinion. Like, it's really it's, good. It's right there. If it's not five stars, it's probably like 4.9. Like, but I, I wish there was just that little bit more of like, all right, especially after the first Shatter Machine. I, I was like, and they tried to do the the BTE trigger the first time they they missed. And I was like, you got like, these guys are increasingly getting more desperate and trying to pull out all the stops. Uh, cash going out, doing the, the uh, suicide dive to the outside, all this stuff where you're like, don't, you know, this is the things that, that you know, you you lost the first time but i mean regardless one hell of a professional wrestling match and i am genuinely surprised ftr won i was surprised now the the thing for this trilogy was find out who's the better tag team wrestlers yeah do are you do you think the ftr is better than young bucks if you had to pick one tag team mm. and it's between FTR and a young buck. One tag team to carry your championship. Who are you picking? I'm picking FTR. So I it's hard because if if you want the thing, if you want the tried and true, FTR, because they are that old school with the modern take. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the young bucks are new school with a retro take like in, in yes. the fact that yes, they are more of that indie style, but fundamentally I don't care what anybody says. Fucking Matt Jackson's been selling his back for the last four years. Uh, the young bucks can tell a story in the ring and they can sell. Uh, 
yes they, my problem my problem with the young bucks is sometimes their storytelling becomes over like overwhelming sure like they want to do too much and it's like uh, it's all over the place where i feel like ftr can work better because they can play heel and babyface like i've seen it both and i feel like ftr can work with any tag team no matter like there no matter what style there is lucha libre um hardcore style like any any style of wrestling they can make that wrestler look good they're really good at making the other wrestlers look good well, or, well that's the 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 basis though of why you're no matter what you know i won't fully agree with all the old heads but like there's a reason why the the classics still work in no matter how fast how big of spots there are and and this is always going to be the thing you know in 15 20 years josh there's a possibility me and you are like oh these guys are just doing too much blah 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 you know we're we're, we're going to become the old fucking grumpy dumbasses. Uh, but fundamentally what cash and, and dax do is no different than what arn and tolly do are no different than than and and same thing with the young bucks no different than what the rock and roll express did what the midnight express did like all these things it professional wrestling at its core will always have these bones it's your job to modernize it as a a professional wrestler in your day and time you have to figure out how to pick and choose no better you know example than guys like what we're seeing right now like edge like christian like all these guys who have no fucking business still being as good in the ring as they are. Agreed. But it's because they have sting. It's because they have that fundamental bone structure of what makes a good wrestling match. And then they pick their little spots and the little modern things. You know, again, when I was training as a professional wrestler, 99% of the takes Jim Cornette has, I was not listening to because he's, He's a great wrestling historian, but he plays a character. I mean, come on. If 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 people think he's actually how he is, I I, I got some I got a a, a bridge to sell you. Uh, but there's those certain things where it's like, pick those spots, slow down a little bit, really think about why is this character doing this move? Why is this character reacting this way? And that's something I really, you know, again, Terry Funk, as we talked about at the top of the show, was a master, you know, people talk about Jericho being the master of reinvention, Matt Hardy being the master of reinvention. He got that. Those guys got that from Terry Funk because Terry Funk and Dory Funk were old school shoot wrestlers. And then Terry Funk in his, God bless him, in, in his many uh, retirement matches and different different parts of his career he evolved. He saw what ECW was doing and he said, all right, I'm going to take that bone structure of what I know works and let's add some of this hardcore stuff. When he went to Japan, same thing. I know what the American style is that I trained in. Let's take some of the aspects of Japanese style wrestling. Same with even <laughs> to, to the 2000s the when he still was doing indie matches. He knew when to to take it up that notch to to evolve, and to me, both of these teams do that, but in their own ways, in the opposite ways. Which again, I truly believe 
and you know, may I don't know, maybe this is controversial. I do think FTR and the Young Bucks is our generation's uh, rock and roll and Midnight Express because you can put those two teams in any type of match, anywhere on the planet, any day of the night, Monday through Friday, back to back to back, and they would be able to put on a banger match every single time because they understand the psychology. They understand why they're doing what they're doing. I Correct. do agree, you know, in, in some ways, sometimes the the melodrama of the Young Bucks can sometimes be a hindrance, but to me, that's purposeful. I mean, that the, because that's what, ever since, you know, I first saw the Young Bucks all the way back in, what would that be, 2011, has Generation Me and fucking TNA, God, horrible. God, fuck you, Vince Russo. Uh, something I can't agree on with. Jim Cornette, uh, those guys, like they were playing same with Kevin Owens. Kevin Steen was kind of playing that smarky wrestling fan who was a wrestler. That's uh, if, if it was me, man, it's hard. I'd probably say FTR FTR would be so, but you know, I also thought the the whole, the whole revolver thing was going to, it's gonna be a huge problem. It might. It still might be, but uh, I mean, we'll see what happens from there. I liked how they teased that they could do another match because you know at the, at the end of the match, the FTR went to shake the you know Young Bucks hand. Like that was a good match, good trilogy. Like Bucks are like, nah, we ain't doing that. So, and it could be also because you know FTR is homies with CM Punk and the the Bucks hate CM Punk. And I, you know, maybe, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, maybe five years from now, we can get a CM Punk FTR, you know, Kenny Omega young bucks. Maybe when things fucking cool down, everybody can be stopped being a bunch of babies. Next match. Yeah. Babies. Next match, please. So stadium. Oh, wow. wow. This was good. First off, as we get into this, I, our, our good friend, uh, Wade Plim, I got to say, had the most horrible take about this match. What was his take? His take was that he he thought it was just ending mud show slinging bullshit. And I'm like, brother, what the fuck are you talking about? This is like every stadium stampede match ever. This is like yeah. no... Honest to God, there was nothing in this match that... Anarchy in the arena had it done because again, it's just a different name for the same thing in a bigger yeah. in a stadium instead of an arena. Uh, I I just have to shout that out because it's funny because I was like, oh, that's awesome, and then I was like, Wade, come on, brother, come on. And, now. and the placement here we go again. Like we just had this high of this great fucking fantastic match with FTR and Young Bucks to get the stadium stampede match. Next it was just like. Huh, because there's a lot of chaos and a lot of like things are happening and John Mox is bleeding and John Mox is being crazy. But I love I, I had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun seeing it. the weaponry and then seeing the, you know, the the, the relationships between all the wrestlers, uh, Penta getting out real quick and coming out as Penta at Skulo. And then almost like dying on a ladder. I mean, like that ladder break and you're like, oh, I, I still can't believe they they, it broke and they said 
now alex hold hold this i'm still gonna do this i can't believe they did that um i i like the you know the eddie and moxley's they're still doing it um over casti you know um claudio claudio castanole castanole claudio i mean like what's gonna happen between these three like this is like this is something brewing uh because man, the Blackpool Combat Club are fucking crazy. You give them a match. I, I never thought that they're gonna win this match because they don't think I don't think they take this match too seriously. They just want to inflict as much pain as possible. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I think it's in Orange Cassidy. We need to recognize this run he's having because it's fucking great. It's and now we're getting amazing. a little anxious about who he's gonna lose to. But the way he's losing matches, like I know people don't like his gimmick, but goddamn, brother! I don't know how. Sometimes, I don't like his gimmick. I sometimes I get super invested. I mean, when he puts that glass tape and then like goes for the Superman punch and misses and gets fucked up, and then all of a sudden he hits it on on, on Claudio and gets the one, two, three. I'm like, I pop. I'm like, this guy, he sells me with his because uh, he can sell, he can take it moves his move his move sets. I mean, I beach break the Superman punch. Like, I hate Roman Reigns Superman punch, but I love Orange Cassidy's Superman yeah. punch. It's the same fucking move by doing by two different wrestlers. It's crazy. Uh, I also like the uh, the DDT his DDTs. My favorite DDTs. <laughs> and remember, remember the Lockies last year. Yeah. He was match of the year, and wow, he's he's been he's been putting some numbers down where he could win wrestler of the year. Yeah, I I think. I, you know, I've been saying this for a little little bit on the last couple of shows we've done for AW. You know, I mean, this run Orange Cassidy has been on has been insane. You know, more defenses than Roman has had in his entire almost four years with the titles. Uh, putting on banger match after banger match after banger match. You know, uh, the the one thing that was interesting to me. So as you just mentioned, Orange Cassidy ended up getting the win over Claudio. And if you remember back to that blood and guts match, um, the first one that uh, when Claudio first came to AEW, yes. uh, there was a whole thing about how he was just about to, to uh, tap Claudio out on top of the cell and then someone else got the win or yeah, got the win. And I thought, and like that was a whole thing where then Eddie had a problem with that person. I didn't really get that on this one where I past being the past. You're like, oh, Eddie's going to start kind of being like shitty to orange because like I wanted to beat the shit out of Claudia. I wanted to fucking beat him because that's was his reaction during that blood and guts match. Um, but also him having mocks and like all these different things maybe were just too, you know, and there was that great part. They, they put each other through the table in the corner. And then after the match, you, the camera just pans to them in the wreckage and you just see them both just flipping each other off. <laughs> Cause they're like, fuck you, dude. Like, uh, fuck you. Like, we, we, we have a fucking problem. And I think yeah. Eddie's going to ruin that, that triple threat match. Uh, like we could, I, I I told you this after that match. I was like, "Wow, can we get an Eddie versus uh, John Moxley in a death match?" That would just be like, hard. <laughs> I mean, like those two, these guys are fuck. Those two are fucking crazy. And when uh, Eddie's like walking back, like he's gone for a while because he gets like a bottle. When he comes back yeah. with that chair, he does 
he does the stone cold thing chair shot boom chair shot like you've seen it when he comes back in backlash and he's kind of overweight because he hasn't mm-hmm. wrestled in a while but whatever he just like smack smack like he's beating people up with his fucking uh, like with his chair shot i thought i love santana's ortiz i think they added a lot to the match i think they did some oh ortiz almost fucking dying on top on the top rope when he slipped i was like yeah oh this match this match was chaos and i think that's what's so good about it because it was because it was chaotic so i wasn't i'm okay with botches when it's like well the match is complete chaos who gives a shit but wow like i had i had a lot of fun i thought this was better than the the anarchy in the arena match we got double or nothing oh i 100 percent agree like this was This is probably the best stadium stampede. I'm going to include the anarchy in the arena in it too. Like the best one of these matches that AEW has had. Like it was really, really good. Um, you know, you, you got the great moment. Sue coming out uh, in the rental van this time with the uh, with the baked goods. On the yeah. Trent, yeah. I think Trent hit Moxley with the baked goods. Like, boom. Yeah. And, uh, you know... I, I talked about last week on our predictions about like, you know, Santana Ortiz not really kind of being back together. Um, I was happy whenever they were kind of like working together and, you know, they, they did the, the, uh, the, uh, sweeper, uh, their, their tag team move. I was like, okay, cool. Cause you know, whether they want to continue doing this or not, like, at least, you know, maybe for that moment, they're like, all right, cool. Like, we got a job to do. Let's do our shit. Because, brother, Santana, I'm telling you, Santana is going to be fucking a huge threat com- coming up. If, if they're not back to be tag champs, let Santana go on his own. Because Santana, before he got injured in that blood and guts match on the indies, was putting on banger singles matches. And was talking about how that's what I. Uh, it was the uh, the the tag match with FTR where they had those promos, and those were so, oh, so good. good. And I was like, oh my god, Santana is like. And I want I want the rematch because like that first match was when uh, you know da- Dash Dax no it was Cash yeah got his fucking like yeah skin the- all <laughs> and I and I and I got back into AEW at this time and I saw that match I was like ugh mm. and the second match was I think that one ended kind of weird too uh I think I think due to a concussion I think mm-hmm. with one yeah. of them so like they never like those guys should be primed for a good match and they hasn't had like accidents kept happening so maybe you do it one more time where they're a tag team to challenge FTR, like you're saying, FTR needs to do tag teams yeah. to go after. Hey, boom, have that one more match and then split them up. Yeah, I'd be down for it. That takes us to our AEW Women's World Championship four-way. Again, hearkening back to the original All-In where there was a four-way match. We don't talk about two of the competitors in that match. Uh, uh, you know, it was Soraya, Tony Storm, AW Women's World Champion Hikaru Shida and Dr. Britt Baker DMD. Now, Josh, you unfortunately, uh, you know, you, you got to, to, to watch it back later, but uh, you were in the bathroom for most of this match. Uh, let me just tell you, this was a great, great match. Uh, lots of good storytelling moments, lots of good moments in general. You know, Soraya coming out with the whole entire, her whole entire family coming out to We Will Rock You by Queen. Um, and then Tony Storm 
she's just on another level with this new gimmick. I loved it. I just love the simplicity of her entrance and like the retro yeah british feel of all the titan trons and everything and i was like oh this is good it it gives me it gives me old film uh actress Mm -hmm. uh sunset boulevard is one of my favorite noirs and she kind of reminds me of that character a little bit and she's fucking insane so this is the new tony i was like "Mm -hmm." and when they came out separately and i knew like i'm glad that when i watched back i was just like I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> and it's weird. I the all all day today I've kind of seen this like whole thing about like that Soraya winning is a bad thing and I'm like what? are are you guys fucking stupid? She is the, you know, I, look, I I love Britt Baker. I love uh Hikaru Shida. I love Chris Statlander. <laughs> I love a lot a lot of these girls. But Soraya is on that other level. Like yeah. because of her her time in in WWE and the the way that they built it, it made sense. Like I I think a lot of people think because she doesn't wrestle singles matches that often, um, that she just can't hang. Um, and you know her first couple matches were you know ring rust. You got to bust it off. Uh, but you also have to think um she's a star and uh she doesn't have to wrestle every week. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, that's that's, a- that's that's kind of the whole point of like you build your name so that you get more money for less work. Like that's that's the whole point of becoming a star is I get paid yeah. for half the work you do, but I bring more eyeballs and that's why. Um, and, and and she's a good heel care like she's gonna be a good heel, heel character and we need that and like yes. Jamie Hader and then Jamie Hader's coming back soon you can you can have that storyline too so I mean like mm, or, or I I it made sense I and mean, it's in London she's a London girl that's why I'm kind of upset that Jamie Hader wasn't on there mm-hmm. because like she should I feel like she's the Chicago like they they had the Sheeter role was supposed to be Jamie Hader yeah. I, I would I would think so. Um, I mean, look, uh, I think altogether this match was great. Um, in some ways, I'm sad that Sheeta lost the title, um, but also you have to think again. She got to have the pop of being the champ coming into again the biggest pro wrestling yeah. show of all time, uh, and that's something that you know. Yes, she's not gonna have this big crazy run, but she still had some great matches uh, since winning the title. She performed great in this match. Yeah, think about it. She when she won her title uh, on two hundred AW's two hundredth episode as main the event. main event, and then the next week she mains events. So as a champion, she won in two hundred, main evented two paper uh, two two dynamites, and got to wrestle as a champion on the biggest show of all time. Yes, short run. But a lot of accomplishments, and it's something you could not ignore. Yeah, and and that and sometimes, again, uh, you don't people again because of unfortunately WWE the last twenty years. Yes, people think that if you have you know have a transitional run, that that's always bad. You need those sometimes. Like you uh, again, you you need to be able to get like names in that lineage you need to be able to have good matches in that lineage now if you do the the you know obviously she was there in attendance uh the the sasha banks and charlotte thing where they hot potato the title every week for two months like yeah that's kind of a problem 
but that's not what this is. It it was a, a specific thing where you had the built-in, the, the downfall of Tony Storm, her losing her confidence, her going crazy, kind of the underlying layer of the outcast, like, oh, is this still a thing? Are we still really together? Like, do you got my back or, you know? And you have Dr. Britt Baker, undeniable, been there since day one, been there since the original All In. She's going to be there no matter what, you know. Uh, and the match was great. Like, when, when, uh, I, I love the ending. The, the ending was so good going for the curb stomp and Tony Storm and Saray coming in and just being like, oh, they're, they're going at each other. Oh, I'm going to get you. And big pop when Saray won. Big pop. Like, yeah. And, and to, again, thankfully because of where we are with medicine and and technology in this day and age we have a lot more of these people who unfortunately got retired early on in the the 2010s and Soraya was the the er, uh the early parts or the later parts of that to for her to have never been to to have been told you are never going to be able to wrestle again if you ever wrestle again you're going to break your neck and then you're going to pro- possibly die to get back to this point, not only where she's wrestling, she's wrestling for the world championship in her home country. Again, I'm gonna, we have to say throughout the show, the biggest event in pro wrestling history. And she wins the title in front of her countrymen, in front of her family. Yeah. You, you know, again, that's one of those moments that, that choked me up because of just how much I, I love professional wrestling and how much it means to me. And for someone like that in that position, I can only imagine what it feels like for them. Also, we should note that Mercedes Monet was also in the crowd. Yes. Now, you know, the person that retired Soraya back in WWE, it was Mercedes Monet. Yeah. Now, I think she's going to enjoy AEW because I think Tony had her had her there because I think I think in the press like he wanted her to experience a AEW pay per view. Mm-hmm. So she's not cleared yet, so I was like, "All right, a Soraya Monet match. Come on, man, that's star power. That star power has story. Come on, that's like the best thing that happened in the women. I know they're like they're two WWE people, but they're like, like they're." It, it's it's different than TNA where they brought in old washed up WWE people and put yes. them over the new new people. This is different because these are people that are still young that are still arguably in, in some ways either in their prime or getting to the tail end of it and they're using it wisely. Again, I I've never, you know, Jericho would be the the closest one you could ever say was something like that, but Jericho is a reason this company Succeeded, correct. And he was a good choice for your first champion because he's a, he's a name brand guy. Yeah. Like, people know who Chris Jericho is, and it it told a good story. And then Moxley, and then Moxley won once again. Like Moxley, the name brand guy, Kenny Omega, so, Kenny Omega, Hangman also and Adam Page. Like it, it, you have to because I, you know. Me and me and my girlfriend just went back and rewatched that the the first uh, double or, or nothing, um, or I'm sorry the the first all out and just uh, being able to think about the conversations I remember having at that point. Man, do do they give Jericho the title or do they give it to Adam Page? 
and and there's two very different routes this company would have went on not saying truthfully we don't know like if adam page would have won won it there we don't know if that would have been better worse we don't know you know and different metrics of what's good what's bad you know all that stuff but again hindsight 2020 the the story that you had of jericho become the first aw world champion going through all the stuff he did Hangman having to to go through, find his self-confidence after losing that, you know, oh, I'm supposed to be the the guy for AEW and I I lost. Building up that confidence to eventually against one of his his tag team partners, his one of his best friends, he becomes AEW world champion. Like it all makes sense because again, Tony Khan had the those first four AEW world champions picked out. <laughs> from the first show he knew what was going to happen as long as everything went according to plan so you know uh, you you got to have star power because i mean how again we talked talked about it with aw when it first started how many times have we heard oh this guy's going to invest money and it's going to be on tv there was that five star wrestling thing that uh, died very quickly um you know tna has been up and down control your narrative was it control your narrative or whatever jesus christ jesus christ don't talk about that nw i mean i nwa because you know ec3 did just win the the nwa world's championship yeah nwa celebrate the 75th anniversary i'm like i'm sorry that you had to like put your show on the same weekend as all in like also also with that i want a big shout out friend of mine max the impaler won the nwa uh women's television championship all about awesome. that we're all about all right. that um so that takes us to the coffin match between darby allen and sting <sighs> versus swerve and last minute change christian cage bro this shit went dummy hard this shit was crazy i thought darby allen was gonna die i thought, I thought sting he I, was gonna I, die when that table didn't break that first time i was like god okay. damn okay bro but when he i'm just saying when he got up to do it again and he just the way they shot it it was the most comical thing to me because it was like super mario bros where yeah. where where he just he just fucking he's like cannonball and i'm like Born? i'm like bro what the fuck is going on? I was like this is awesome and they had a great uh intro video for darby and sting kind of jack the ripper vibes and i was like oh yeah this this shit good swerve got came a huge out pop. oh yeah whose house swerve's house Swerve's and house. then when darby and sting came out it was metallica seeking destroy I was, like, I was like god damn and, and aw they're like copyright Pff, we'll just pay that off no problem fuck it they got the money <laughs> and, and i got the pop too and it was a physical match i like how darby got his like his hands taped up and I was like, wow, he learned from uh, orange Cassidy. So he's like flipping and he's like, he does a sick fucking dive. Oh, he coffin drops on top of the coffin. Yeah. Oh God damn. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I just want to say that in a, in a coffin match, the entirety of your opponent has to be in the coffin to win. And I just want to say swerve Strickland's dreads, at least two strands of them were outside of that coffin. All right, the match isn't over. It's like uh, well, well, uh, that one Royal Rumble where the, where the guy technically never got eliminated. Oh, uh, I think it's Rusev. 
I thought it no, was Kurt, like Curtis no. Axel. Or no, oh, it was Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas. God bless. Uncle Howdy. Uh, yeah, th- this was just a great was that confer- Was that That was never confirmed. It, it was it was Bo. I mean, if oh, it's, it's, it's it's not that it's not that hard to see that it was Bo. I, I yes, yes, it made sense. But I'm like, well, that, that's just mm. anyways, then good, we had, good, good, good match. Good match. Then we had, in my opinion, probably the greatest Jericho match there has been since Alpha and Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, in, uh, honestly, it's pretty close to it. Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. This shit, this shit. I give me it. Give me it all the time. I want it. I just, you know, why? Because I think Will Ospreay is probably the best wrestler today. Like yeah. I think he's the best young wrestler. Every match I see him in, um, he's fucking amazing. He does really cool moves. He sells very well. He took a Judas effect and was fucking dead. Like oh my god. Um, and talk about doing it in front of his countrymen. I mean, Bruv really fucking killed the shit, dude. Uh, his uh, when Jericho is sitting, like laying on the top rope and he does a springboard on top yeah. of it, I was like, God damn, dude. Will Ospreay's on a different fucking planet. And I remember his name, Will Ospreay, with that match with Ricochet and people mm-hmm. complaining about how like choreographed it was. And that was a controversy. Seeing where he's at now from then, I'm just like, wow. This guy is it has the it factor. Like, and he made reference, he made reference uh about how his New Japan contract is coming up. And if I'm AEW, I'm like, here's my dick. Like, like just pay this man. Yeah. This man is the future of wrestling, in in my opinion. Yeah, I I mean I fully agree. I, you know, look, we we just talked about that a little bit with F, the FTR and Young Bucks thing, like, you know, and they they talked about that in the 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 little contract signing between Jericho and Osprey, like, arguably. Osprey and what he was doing at the time, absolutely, I was going to shorten his career if he continued to do that. He made a great choice. Uh, I want to say it was in uh, in the later part of 2019, early 2020, I believe, where he bulked up, went to heavyweight after his injury uh, while he was recovering, and being able to still, you know, uh, still do a lot of these spectacular things, but being more selective of when to break it out and using more of that heavyweight strong style. Perfect. Because it may think of any evolution of, of a, a athlete where they go crazy when they're young, dumb and stupid. That's inevitable. But once you get that knowledge, once you get that experience, you start to realize, all right, I want to do this for a long time. All right. I need to be here for my wife and kids. I need to be here for all these opportunities. So you start changing things up. You you don't do things the same way you did on day one. That's what Will Ospreay has done. And man, uh, I I mean I fully agree. I I think right now Will Ospreay is pound for pound the number one professional wrestler on the planet. I I think it is undeniable when you watch his matches because it's believable. It, yes. All, every strike it is hard hitting. It makes you wince when you're watching it because you're like, oh my god, that hurts. Uh, he has the athleticism still. Uh, I mean, let, let's let's 
you know, let's not beat around the bush. The dude can still do amazing, crazy shit. He should not be able to with how bulky he is, but you know, uh, it, it's effortless. It's like, he, like, I feel like he's always in the air for such a long time. I like his court screw is fucking great. I love his finisher. The fact that Jericho took the, his, his elbow, like straight up, like giving him middle finger and yeah. just like, pff, God damn. This man. I mean, he, he, and you know what? The Lockies for best wrestler it's gonna is be interesting. stacked because you can say you can argue Will Ospreay, you can argue Roman Reigns, you can argue Orange Cassidy, MJF. Just wow! I mean, it's it's just stacked. Yeah, I I can't wait for that later on in the year. Uh, so then that takes us to the co-main event. AW Trios World Championship House of Black defending against the acclaimed and badass Billy Gunn. I thought, again, the pacing. Pacing is the most important part whenever you're a booker, and especially with a, a main event as important as this one was. This was a great little come down a little bit. There's still some high spots. You're still getting that little bit of energy in, and you get the 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 exciting W. I, I really thought house of black would have retained because it would have been, you know, again, it would have been a storybook ending for Billy Gunn. All right. I went out on my shield as, you know, old school wrestling tradition. And I get to do it again at biggest pro wrestling event ever. Like that storybook shit, like crazy. I, I don't, I don't hate the fact that they won by any means. I think that's exciting and that's going to be uh, an interesting development for that trios division. But overall great match, great show of respect at the end by house of black too, to taking the titles and giving it to the acclaimed and Billy Gunn. I thought that was pretty, pretty classy. Yeah. This feels like Billy Gunn's last ride and have, and just to have him this title and sharing with these guys that re I would say reinvigorated his career I mean, daddy ass. I mean, like that. It's been a year since you know, scissor me, daddy ass. Um, so, like the fact of where he was with his boys and where he's at with the acclaim, just like I can't believe that that worked out for everyone because the guns being part of the Bang Bang Gang, I think is fucking fantastic. Awesome. Um, you know, and then he, I feel like the Black House of Black could win it back, or you know, maybe CMFTR can win and have all the titles. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, like, it's good for them. And I think, like, you needed a good – because not a lot of titles changed hands. I think um, the women's title and this one changed hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the FTW. So, like – so it's nice. And it's in a nice little, like, yay, before we get the the fucking storytelling of the goddamn year in the main event. Match of the year. (sighs) Parts of it are match of the year. I have have a – Believe it or not, I have a lot of criticism for this match. Well, yeah, I'm saying it's not perfect. I'm saying storytelling. Like, it really told a story where my fiance goes, you know, I, I hate MJF, but that made me made me care about him. I'm like, mm. And, and then my girlfriend's on the other hand, where when we took her to her first show, that was the one with the William Regal and MJF one and she, in the car. She was like, just kind of a whiny bitch. And now... She pops every time he comes on. He's my scumbag. He's They're hard. getting the scumbag thing over. Yeah. I mean, like the fact, like the fact that uh, at the beginning of the match they shake hands, and the first thing that well, before they do that, you know, they put their you know their 
their their t-shirt together, their tag team t-shirt together. And that show is like, oh, that's pretty – I think that's very cool, very smart. They're, they're, they're uh, being friendly with each other. And then MJF, they shake hands. MJ pokes in the eye. And I'm just like, yeah, that's what you get. And I like how they were cheating to win. But the match was is that MJF wasn't doing the MJF stuff that he'd done before. You know, he didn't tombstone somebody into the table like he always does. He didn't use the diamond eye ring. He didn't cheat to win. Um, the Eddie spot was so great when they're yeah, passing the chair so along. Good. Yes. So it's just like this MJF is definitely different. Like there's an effect that I actually believe that he looks at Adam Cole as his friend. Now, do I believe that Adam Cole looks at MJF as a friend? That is the real question. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a, like I'm glad they didn't turn. They didn't do it because I think that is way more braver and more uh, makes the match better for me. Yeah, because it it would be very typical and easy to do to have Adam Cole just turn and then they fight and then go on to the sunset. But this continues the story where you can get some more good things out of this. I think this is, I mean, the fact that we got a double clothesline for a double pin, and they do a recreation of the five more minutes, and and my I love this part. It's like we're gonna keep going until there's a fucking win, there's a winner and fucking Wimbledon. I was like, yeah. <laughs> And that's a change in MJF. MJF, the old MJF, be like, no. no. Well, he did say no. Yeah, like, oh, like no, we're like no. We're gonna keep going until there's a winner and fucking Wembley. Like that is a different MJF. Now, where is your issues? Because I might be able to agree with them. All right. So, the biggest issue I fundamentally had with the match was the 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 double clothesline pin. I think that is, again, we've said it all episode, the biggest pro wrestling event in history, the biggest arguably main event in pro wrestling history. I was like, why? Why? It it gets over, yes, the double clothesline. It does. But to me, I felt that was unneeded and everything you did you could have done, you know, uh, I don't think breaking the matchup officially technically into two matches, quote unquote, was needed or was smart whatsoever. I, I, I was, you know, I was internally sitting there thinking, okay, like I know that's, that something real fucked up would have had to happen if that was the actual ending and that was it. But I was still like, uh, that's not that that is just almost never like, especially with the story they were telling, which was so integral where, you know, you're you're having yes at moments. They're both, you know, doing little sly, you know, cheating moments, but you're building this whole thing of the devil, the, the, you know, MJF, the AW world heavyweight champion actually believes Adam Cole is his friend and you know he's accepting someone inside of him. Oh, the- <laughs> phrasing. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, phrasing. And uh, you know, Adam Cole, you know, like you said, they start the match, they go under the ring, they get the better than you, baby t-shirts. Cool. Adam Cole immediately, you know, once he gets the slightest bit of pushback, it's like, no, nah, fuck you. And he rips the t-shirt off 
And he's constantly just whooping on this guy's ass. He's like, I am going to win this fucking title. And MJF, you know, he's thinking, I could just do all the stuff I usually do. But he's my best friend. I'm not going to do it. And Adam Cole did not give a fuck. He said, nah, bro, I'm here to win the fucking title. And to me, I felt that you could have been able to connect those two matches together without even you could have still had the double clothesline spot, but it didn't need to be the ending part. You know, uh, early when they were making entrances, I was sitting there thinking, do they go 60 minutes? Because that, that, that was, uh, was, was a, you know, the, the thing, as you mentioned, you know, when they faced on dynamite 30 minute time limit draw, because it wasn't a, a world championship match. Like it, I was like, okay, because then that's, I could have saw where, okay, we've seen MJF go 60 minutes. We know Adam Cole can go 60 minutes, done it plenty in his career. Uh, Like, then that would make sense. Okay, they get to the time limit draw again, then we're not stopping till there's a winner in fucking Wembley. Big pop, cool. You get that, that spot, you know, you know, rewarded still. The but other, but, but having a but having people sit for an hour after they've been sitting for another five hour like they've been sitting there for a long time so it's like they still they still get that pop and they get the double clones line spot and I I felt like the I can see why it's a criticism but I think it's just a way to make you know we're not doing the whole thirty minutes it's kind of like kind of breaking it up a little bit and still getting that emotion because here's the thing the crowd was eating this match up. And sometimes in AEW shows, the crowd's kind of dead by the main event because they've, there's been so much that have been ahead of them. But the way that Tony set this card up, they were energized. Yeah. They were engaged. They were following the story. They, I mean, oh, Roddy came out and was, was going to help Adam win the match. Crowd is booing. Boo! Like, you could feel it. Thunderous. I felt like... You might not agree about it right now, but I think in the hindsight, because the, the story is still continuing, yeah. that when they go back, you'll be like, you know what? I think it's better than what I thought it was. Because, like, yeah, it was great, but we saw MJF do a hour-long match and have an overtime with Brian Danielson. We already saw that. We don't need to repeat that step again. Where I thought that this was perfect because they did a double clothesline and they pin each other. Ha, oh, that's cute because they're tag teams, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then the fact that it was won by a surprise roll-up where – Adam had a chance to win. He hit the belt, decides to throw it, and then actually gets a, a a roll up one, two, three, and he loses that way because he didn't take the shot. Yeah, and that is the seed. There's your seed for whatever is going to happen with these two guys. Now they can, they can. Uh, I mean, they can like I don't know how long they're going to do the storyline. They can do it to full gear, but whew, a seed has been planted but I'm glad that they had the guts and the balls to continue the storyline. Now, as, as you said last week, um, during our predictions for this match, you talked about how, you know, the doing the double turn, you know, you even just said it a couple minutes ago, like that's kind of, uh, uh, yeah, I could see, see that, but let's subvert expectations a little bit, you know, same with them winning the, the ROH tag team titles. Now I will say, with this result, with the way they played out this match. I think that they are very 
smartly, you know, looking to at the, you know, at the peak of this, you know, whenever that may be to subvert the expectations because everything in this match tells you that Adam Cole is the one using MJF. Yes. But the thing we need to remember is the greatest lie the devil devil ever told. And MJF is playing the shit out of us. And he's playing the shit out of Adam Cole, because I think you can do a, uh, arguably, I think realistically you could actually make this go into next year, possibly at, uh, at a revolution. Um, I think we're going to get babyface, continue babyface MJF for a little bit. Fundamentally, the character that they have set up and who Maxwell Jacob Friedman is at the end of the day, yes, he's our scumbag for now. But at the end of the day, he's the devil. He does not give a shit about anybody but that AEW World Championship. And this is all just playing into it. Because it, it it's going, I think it's going to be like, a, just a lot of people are going to think it's going to be Adam Cole because it just makes sense, especially after this match. And even with the whole, no, Roddy, I'm not going to, you know, it, you know, it, you can still see it just clear as day of, yeah, they didn't do it here, but they'll do it eventually. Yeah. yeah maybe Kyle comes back and that's the thing that persuades him. I don't know. But like you said last week, that's what people expect now. That's what people think is going to happen. And when you really, again, look deep into the layers of the story that they're telling, the devil is going to lie. The devil is going to manipulate. The devil is going to tell you what you want so that he gets what he wants. You just got a second set of, a set of belts. He gets now, more okay. money. It does, yes. Okay, so here's the thing too. It, when he, if he does turn on Adam, I think he gets a bigger pop because I think now I think he's almost at the level that no matter whatever he would, no matter what he does, he really have to change his character completely to get booed at this point. Uh, I think people will boo him just because that's the reaction they're supposed to get. But I think people are absolutely because I, I watching the media scrum. I genuinely believe that the man MJF is enjoying this run. Oh, 100%. Like, right. And like, of course, the de- you know what the devil will like? Being praised, being loved. It's when you don't love the devil anymore, that's when he shows him up. And I don't see the love for MJF going away anytime soon unless he starts doing that you know, contract at 2024 and threatening to go to WWE. That, that's what maybe will turn on because like AEW fans do not like WWE. They don't. No, not at all. So, as they embraced at the end, they hugged, they hugged it out. The confetti, all kinds of pyro went off. Yes. This is the, the final big conversation point we're going to have as we wrap up this episode. They announced Bells. August 25th, 2024, they will be returning to Wembley Stadium for all in London. There's two things to this, in my opinion. If they don't get rid of All Out next year, I have a huge fucking problem with this. 
<laughs> yeah, it's right. I mean, like you're doing it again. You're doing all in and all out. I mean, you're asking people to spend a hundred dollars on two pay per views back to back. I mean, together. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's a lot. Unless, unless there's a max deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, TV deal is is next year. So, um, the the only thing to me is that the fact that we had this same situation with first forbidden door two, where it was back-to-back pay-per-views, not, not, not one week, not in between, week yeah. but, but, but it was a couple weeks in between. And this year they adjusted. The hard thing is that they have been so hardcore about keeping those traditions of all in the original all in was at, at that time called the Sears center. Now the, now the now arena in Chicago on Labor Day weekend. And that's what they've done with All Out every single year. But now they have All In. This is their, you know, now I can look at something and say, this is their WrestleMania. And I think, you know, if if you're not willing to move All Out, get rid of it. Because, again, another one, Tony Khan mentioned it during the press conference. Another joint show with New Japan. Wrestle Dream is going to be the next pay per view after All Out. This is going to be, uh, you know, you're going to get two. Hey, we're going to get two cross promotions. Who the the Dream matches? May, oh, you know what? Because of that Wrestle Dream, I think we're going to get Bullet Club versus Bullet Club Gold. I hope we so. Can, we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's something, you know, remember back at the start of the year, you know, uh, Warner was talking about how they wanted AW was suggesting AW. We'd love it. <laughs> we we'd love if you do more pay-per-views. You know, it's not like it makes us more money or anything like that. <laughs> you know, uh, keeps keeps that Bleacher Report app alive for some fucking reason. Uh, well, I, I honestly think they're going to sooner or later they're going to go to Max. I, it just I makes logic. I, I think it makes logical sense. I mean, that's why WWE is able to make, I mean, with the Peacock subscription, I mean, like they're able, there's a, I mean, when Bray passed away, we were able to easily watch those matches of his real quick. It's hard to watch the, like go back and watch AEW pay-per-view because they're on Bleacher Report. Yeah. You're telling me I have all access on it on Max and now you're bringing more pay-per-views. Maybe like, maybe Wrestle Dreams, Max exclusive or like all, like all in Max exclusive. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can do that. Yeah. So I'm excited. No, uh, again, we do this again next week. All out from Chicago, Illinois. You know, uh, at this moment, I think we only have like three matches announced. So uh, probably probably later in the in the week, just as a short, we'll probably uh, get together and we'll do like predictions or maybe, you know, if we can't work that out, we'll uh, we'll put our predictions up on Instagram. Uh, you can follow us yeah. over there. You know, uh, another one too. Uh, in uh, TikTok, we're past 100 followers too. So thank you for that. we're uh, we're on a fucking roll. We're almost there with Facebook, and you guys have been killing it with the videos over on Facebook too. I mean, come on, bro, come on. But Dylan, we didn't give a grade of all in. We were talking all. We've been talking for almost an hour and a half, and we haven't gave these people a grade. I'll go first. This is an A. This is an A pay per view. Okay, this is probably one of the best AEW pay-per-views in a while in a while i still think uh, the, the all out with uh where adam cole and brian danielson debuted was is still the best i would have to revisit that one because that was pretty good because that was my first 
that was my first AEW pay-per-view I watched when I came back. Mm-hmm. I remember loving the fuck out of that show because the next show I was the the all out like scrum. Like, well, the next the next dynamite was in Cincinnati, so I was able to enjoy that punk return, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. I mean, like it was like, ah, we were on love. But I feel like the the gravitas of the show, because of, of the greatest, you know, uh, attendance, the quality, the match qualities. I think that all out that you liked had pacing issues where it at did. the like, yeah, it did. I mean, where I said this one is probably the best because I think Tony Khan now understands how to book shows. We'll see how all out is and how he books it because I thought that this was perfectly booked. I met, I met every match made sense on the card. All the matches were, I would say no lower than a three. I think all of them were fours to fives, yeah. in my opinion. Like I had a great freaking time. Had a multiple match of the year contenders. Correct. I don't know if I'll pick one of them, but yes, I think as a whole, this is a good card. If I somebody's like, "Oh, I want to get into AEW," I'm like, "Here you go. Watch this." Yeah, I agree. I think this is an A. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard. You know, I'm I'm kind of going. The, the plan for me whenever we open up the the uh, the voting for the lockies and everything like that is I plan to kind of go back through everything um, all, all in one go. Arguably, I think right now, or fun, funny enough, believe it or not, WrestleMania night one is very high up. For oh, me, uh, yeah. As, that, as one, that one's year. fantastic. Yeah. But then they shit the bed with night two. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, I, night two is horrible. But I'm going to, I'm you know. I, I'm gonna act as if those are two separate events. They um, were. They were. The, 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 there was the a theory. main. There was a main event. Yeah. So, I. To me. Hmm. I think this is the best show that we've covered on the show. Without. I agree. Doubt. I agree. I, I I I do think, and I th- you know. You guys will will tell us whenever voting opens for the Lockies this year. You know, uh, I think it's pretty close because that night one was really fucking good. And AW's had ban- Forbidden Door this year was another <laughs> banger. Double or nothing. I double mean, double or nothing, or nothing was oh, gutting. I mean, Revolution. Oh, Revolution had the Iron Man match. Yes. Oh God. God. I. I'm not. I'm glad we're not deciding the. <laughs> Oh, and, this year. and I and we, we both watched Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, and Wrestle Kingdom was good. You know, well, Wrestle Kingdom. I think. Well, I don't. I I didn't particularly care for that main event. Uh, that was kind of a snooze fest. But I think yeah. that I think the the powers of Omega versus Osprey in that match really raised it above. And then you know, I I I enjoyed the hell out of Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, enjoyed that. Even though I didn't get American commentary was all Japanese for me. I still had a good time with that pay per view. Still, yeah. Jesus. So, with that said, guys, let us know your guys' thoughts down in the comments below. Again, we, you know, obviously we didn't do it this week, but we read those comments. We read them at the start of every show. Uh, you know, we appreciate you guys so much for uh, joining us. Let us know your thoughts on the show. And Josh, take her home. Well, uh, before we take it home, guys, we're almost close to our mark of 500 subscribers. To get and I said if we get that mark 500 subscribers by the end of the year, I'll get my nose pierced. And we're only at this time we record this on Monday. We're about to, less than 25 away. Yeah. Less than 25 away. We could do this. We could do this. My fiance is begging you. We're about to take our engagement photos, and she wants that nose ring. So get it 
by the next month. Can we do it? Um, also, at the end of September is the season premiere of my show, The Look Back, where we look at old movies and see if they still hold up. And the very first episode would be the 19... Well, it's going to be Predator. Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Predator. Yeah. So you don't want to miss that show. It was a banger of the show. So come join us on Saturday, September 30th at 6 p.m. And then nine weeks from there, well, eight weeks after that, more episodes to come. Support, like, subscribe, hit that notification button. Because here at Nerf Media, we got a lot of shit going on and a lot of things planned for the future. So you want to be a part of this family. You want to be a part of this community. Absolutely. You know, again, next week, all out. Ooh, you know, buddy. Uh, technically, it hasn't officially, officially been announced, but, uh, you know, in, end of the month, we'll have uh, supposedly Misfits 009. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, I, I, it's a busy, busy month. Busy <laughs> month of shows. Uh, some other stuff, uh, as long as they go through, uh, that we're excited for as well. And some of the, the upcoming episodes, too. You know, again, we've talked about end of the year, the Lockies, the year-end awards. Uh, we'll start giving some details on that coming up probably in the next month or so. Um, so, with that said, we appreciate you for joining us inside the ring of the lockup. And see you next time. <laughs>